Well, welcome to our, well, really the fourth service of the morning, but really a continuation of a series that was started last Sunday. As we celebrate Easter week, as we think about what this day means to us, we want to end with the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that we've encountered. We have encountered the hope. And as Jesus came with the disciples, as the story began, as he came from Jericho, along the Jericho road, that 35-mile journey, as he would have come along the same road that uh, found some issues for the Samaritan man, as he would have come up and run into this little community, this little hamlet of Bethpage, and then on to Bethany, just on the east side of the Mount of Olives. And there, as Jesus stopped, and John chapter 11 records for us this miracle uh, that Jesus actually delays in coming uh, to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and it is there that Lazarus is raised from the dead. By the time we get to the picture that we have in the Gospels about Jesus descending the Mount of Olives on that Passover that we celebrated on Good Friday, this incredible picture of Jesus's death as he's put into a tomb as we've gone to the tomb but that time that he comes into Jerusalem descending the Mount of Olives on that road that goes down to Gethsemane and across the brook Kidron to the southern steps as Jesus ministers in the temple and finally he's betrayed by Judas he's arrested by the Romans he's tried before Pilate and Annas, and Caiaphas, and ultimately Herod, six times illegally. Finally, he's put to death. The most brutal of all deaths. Brothers and sisters, there was a reason that Jesus allowed himself to be put to death. Because make no mistake, no army on this earth could have taken Jesus alive if he didn't want to give his life a ransom for us. He willingly surrendered his life so that we could have the hope of heaven. He gave his life a ransom for many, exactly as the prophet Isaiah had said. And so as we encounter now the hope of the cross... There is a reason that John the Baptist, in the beginning of John's gospel, the gospel author John records John the Baptist's baptism. And it was there in chapter 1 and verse 29 that John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, my hope, our hope, is in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? Amen. Why? Because all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, each one of us, turned unto our own way. The heart of every man is deceitful, desperately wicked, who can know it. We all have a sin problem. Your sin problem may not look like mine, and mine may not look like yours. But if we're going to compare sin for sin, it's easy to find someone who's a better sinner than you. But that's not the comparison we need to make. 
we need to compare ourselves to a holy God who's absolutely righteous, who has no sin in him at all, nor can he allow any sin into his presence. So we have a real issue, don't we? The hope of heaven, our King Jesus, solves that issue. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Colossians chapter 1, if you have your phone, push and swipe to Colossians chapter 1, select C-O-L, and then hit the 1, and then verse 19. Because what John said of Jesus is the very same thing that the book of Revelation declares in chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive all power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world To all who believe on him, they will be saved. Amen? Amen. It is that Jesus. It is that hope. It is our Savior, the Apostle Paul writes about here in chapter 1 of the book of Colossians. For it pleased the Father... That in him, that him is Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. Jesus, the pre-incarnate one, the lamb before the foundation of the world, the one whom was always the plan. God never intended to leave mankind in its sinful state. Jesus was always the plan. He was always coming. He was never not coming, and no force in the universe could have kept him in him. The fullness of God dwells. God incarnate in human flesh, our hope is in him God who died for us was raised from the grave three days later. Would you join me and let's pray. Father, we ask, really we beg, Father God, that you would speak into our lives the hope of heaven, the hope of the cross, the hope of the Savior, the hope of a right relationship with you, the hope that we can be forgiven the hope that we find when Jesus is our Lord. Lord, thank you for your word, the power it has to change us. Speak to us now, we pray, on this beautiful Easter morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In verse 20, he goes on, And by him, who? Jesus. Our only hope. To reconcile all things to himself. That word reconcile is a very important word. It's actually an accounting term. Some of you probably have some understanding of accounting. And so for purposes of accounting, we'll keep it simple. Most of you understand that in basic accounting, there is a balance sheet. And that balance sheet shows whether you 
have enough funds or do not have enough funds. You either have a positive balance or a negative balance. Because of who you are, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every last person has a negative balance. You are sinners. I am a sinner. My problem is there's not enough cash in my righteousness account of my own building to take care of the debts. In other words, we spend more on sin than we have in righteousness. That's the hope of heaven. That Jesus, the eternal prince, the everlasting God, the one who was and was and was and is and is to come, the one who's the great I am, has more than enough righteousness in his account to reconcile your account if you will ask him to do so. If you will turn from your sin, if you'll repent from your sin and say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to square away my account. He has more than enough in his righteousness account to take care of your sin account. And he will do it. And so Paul says, by him, to reconcile all things to himself, things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Mike actually quoted that verse. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Amen? There's a reason that that was necessary. Because I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I wasn't kind of, sort of alive and part dead. I was totally dead in my trespasses and sins. And he has had to make me alive. The only way to make me alive is to deal with that sin. The wages of sin is death. The only problem is my own death can't pay for my own debt of sin. Because I'm not righteous to begin with. Here comes Jesus, our hope. Because he is righteous. And he took your sin upon him. That is the reason that Jesus cried out from the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God the Father turn his eyes, avert his eyes from Christ the Son while he's on the cross? Because Jesus took your sin, my sin, our collective sin, every last sin and the penalty of it upon himself. He was bathed and buried in our sin on the cross. And there he dealt with that sin by instead of you dying for your own sin, Christ died for your sin to restore a right relationship with a holy God. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, you could spend your whole life trying to fix that problem yourself. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to come up a few holy bucks short. 
You're going to check a few boxes. Yeah, I went to church. I taught Sunday school. I tithed. I went on a missions trip. I even prayed once. (laughs) But then you're going to get to heaven and poor Peter, because he's always stuck at the pearly gates. You know that, right? You show up at heaven. Peter's going, whoa, Jeff. There are 657,242 things on here that aren't paid for. You didn't quite have enough in your own account to wipe out the debt. It's not reconciled. Sorry, but you can't come in. Matter of fact, you want the truth? If there was one left on your list, you still can't get in. By his death on the cross... He has reconciled us back to God and paid every last one of your debts. Amen? In Christ Jesus, you were square. That's why we have hope. Because if the hope's in this world, if it's in the UN fixing the world, we're all dead. If it's in our own government, we're we're not making it. If it's in your bank account, forget it. If it's in your own personal righteousness, it's not going to happen. But my hope is in the king of kings. The one true king, the righteous one. And he made that peace with God the Father by his own blood. His death was sufficient to pay the price for all of our sin. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, yet he is now reconciled. Man, we were a mess. We weren't kind of, sort of, just a little bit goofy. We were absolutely alienated from God. We joined the wrong team. We were on Team El Diablo. You know what I'm saying. You're serving the wrong dude. You're wearing the red uni instead of the purple one. But he's reconciled. He said, here, here's a new uniform. Put on my righteousness. You take off the old man, you put on the new man. That comes in chapter 3, by the way. In the body of his flesh, through death, Jesus died. He didn't swoon, he didn't faint, he didn't pass out. He wasn't kind of sort of dead, Jesus was dead. Why do we know that? Because Jesus told us he was dead. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I'm leaving this body. I'm out. Mike dropped Jesus. You know what I'm saying? There was nothing to say after that. When he said to tell us thy, it wasn't... Well, kind of, sort of, to tell us die. No, it's finished. It was done. He died to prove it. Why? To present you holy and blameless, above reproach in his sight. Look, if your sin's not dealt with, you're not blameless, you're not holy, and you can't be in the sight of God. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, the price that was paid, the blood that was shed, you can now stand before a holy God clothed in the righteousness of Christ. 
That is why the Apostle Paul said so eloquently, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live for him. Why? Because he now dwells in me. And when God looks at me, he no longer sees my sin nature. He sees the righteousness of his own son, Jesus. Hallelujah and thank you, Lord. Amen? If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became ministry, saying, look, this is the way that Jesus was talking about in John 14. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is saying, look, I paid for everyone, but you have to accept the fact that I paid for you. You've ever had one of those experiences, if you remember back in the old days for us old folks when Disneyland used to require tickets, amen? And if you got an, the A tickets were like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and things like that, and the E tickets were like Space Mountain. Now somebody could pay for a ticket for you. They could hand you a ticket book. They could say, look, it's free, here it is. But you have to take the ticket book and you have to go then turn the ticket in. The price was paid. You're able to go in, but you have to accept it. You have to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross for you. He paid to get you into heaven. You are not paying your own way into heaven. It was paid for you by Jesus with his own blood. There was a physical price for that hope. Jesus was nearly beaten to death, family. The beating he took would have killed anyone in this room. Crucifixion was so terrible that Roman citizens were not even allowed to be crucified. And in fact, so awful was the price that was paid physically... That if we were to try and revive crucifixion today in our day and age, and if we ever got to the place where we actually crucified somebody, whoever performed the crucifixion would themselves go to prison for being too cruel. Jesus paid the price. And he didn't pay part of the price. He paid the whole price for your sin. By his stripes, You have been healed. The chastisement for our peace was placed on him. A grave was made with him for the in the with the wicked. He paid the whole price. And he paid a terrible emotional price for that. Can you imagine as they stripped Jesus and put a scarlet robe on him? And took the tree, the dome tree, it's a type of acacia with these huge two, three inch long thorns. We were just in Israel, I pulled a branch off of one and and showed everybody, this is it. Can you imagine the creator of that tree allowing his creation, a Roman soldier, 
to break a limb off of his tree and twist it into a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head and then beat that crown of thorns onto his head with a rod. Can you imagine the emotional strain that Jesus was under to allow his own created being to treat him that way? And yet he did. And he didn't turn away from it. And furthermore, they plucked his beard. They spit in his face. They put his head in a bag and he punched them. And insanely enough, the guard has the audacity to say, well, tell us who punched you. Oh, Jesus knew. But Jesus did nothing. He said, hit me again. If you need to make another crown, make another crown. Jesus allowed himself to be nailed to the cross. He said, this is why I came. I've come to give my life a ransom for you. That's the price of our hope. And what hope it is. Because Jesus held nothing back. He didn't say, well, you can do these things, but these things are a little over the top. Can we just get this over with? I'll just go into the courtyard and, Pilate, why don't you just yell at me and I'll fall over dead? No, he allowed himself to bear everything. All that you have need of, forgiveness in your own life, Jesus bore those things on the cross and he did not just bear them for yesterday. He has borne your sins of today. He he saw you arguing with your kids on the way to church. He knows exactly what you said to your spouse yesterday and it wasn't good. He died for that. He knows what you're planning to do next week. He knows that vacation is a little something that someone should not do who names the name of the Lord Jesus. He knows where you're going. And he loves you so much and has given you such great hope that even those things that you shouldn't even do, he is saying, I forgive you. I know where that comes from. Repent, turn, but you are forgiven. I want to close with just a handful of very brief things. So what is that hope? The Apostle Paul put it this way, writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Look, let me be honest. Let let me tell you how it really is. When you tell people who don't know the Lord, your sins can be forgiven by believing by faith in Jesus Christ, they kind of look at you like, what? They don't get how great the grace of God is. They don't understand the hope. It's foolishness. 
And so what does mankind do in response to that thinking? He creates religion. Creates good works. Builds amazing buildings. Does all kinds of things to try and prove his devotion to God. Look how devoted I am, Lord. Look what I did for you. And Jesus is saying, no, Jeff, look what I did for you. That's my blood. That's my broken body. I died for you, Jeff. The reason you do those works now is because you honor the one that paid the full price for you. Because you'll never earn heaven. It's a free gift to you for believing in Jesus Christ. The hope of the cross reconciles us to God. It solves the arithmetic of the debt of our sin. Because here's what happens in religion. You start making withdrawals out of your account. And you go to your ATM, your heavenly ATM card. You slide that puppy in. And the second day after you get religious, it says not sufficient funds. There's not enough in your account to take care of your own debt. You are overdrawn with sin. Here's what happens in a relationship with Jesus. You sin, wiped out. You sin again, wiped out. Every sin, past, present, future, paid for by the blood of the Lamb. You cannot sin your way away from the grace of God. And that doesn't mean you should sin. And it doesn't mean God's okay with sin. God hates sin. But make no mistake, works can't save you. By the works of the flesh is no one justified. The non-righteous don't get righteous because of what they do, but because of what Christ did for us. You see, that hope of the cross fixes our family mess. Any of you have that person in your family that hopes, you hope they don't show up to your family functions? Can I tell you before you met Jesus, that was you. God's going, we'd love to let Jeff in, but he can't come. He's like plays for the other team. He's like, he's like representing team El Diablo and we, he can't be here. The hope of the cross fixes that. The hope of the cross breaks that alienation that I had with God. I became God's enemy because of my sin. And Jesus says, look, I'll pay for that sin so that you can be brought back into the family. Man, what a glorious thing. Can I tell you that the hope of the cross is not temporary? Hallelujah. Anybody in here ever struggle with your own capacity to do exactly what Paul said in Romans 7? Those things that I will not to do, those things I do, and those things I will to do, those things I do not do, I'm in trouble. That's the Jeff Gill paraphrased version. 
so that I find this war within me. Anybody struggle with that? You still have a little bit of a capacity to do the wrong thing, even though you know to do the right thing? Can you imagine if your hope was temporary? All of a sudden, you come to faith in Christ and you get handed a list. Well, here's the 74 things that you can do and be forgiven. And here's the 950,000 things that you can't do or you're going to hell. Or you can do these things six times, but on the seventh time, instant barbecue. No, your salvation is secure in the blood of the Lamb. The debt is fully paid. Your sin is completely erased. It was never based on your performance. It was always based on God's grace. And that grace has come to you by faith. And that faith was a gift. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that, by the way. You, you got handed a gift of faith. That gift of faith results in God's grace coming into your life. And that grace producing forgiveness in you by the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross is permanent. Because if it's temporary, we are all dead. And it's not. Jesus paid the price in full forever. You're not going to get there and have somebody hand you a list. That's really too bad. You know, you reached the 97.6 percentile in sinlessness. Won't matter how much you miss by if you don't get in. Amen? Praise God you're not getting in because you did or did not miss, but because Jesus paid it all. The hope of the cross reunites enemies. And I don't mean enemies that were kind of sort of like, you know, junior high enemies. It's like, oh yeah, well your mom wears army boots. If you come over on my side of the field, I'm going to just, I'm going to get you. No, not those kind of enemies. The kind of enemies that shoot you dead on sight. Because sin kills, amen? You were an enemy to God. Your sin had so separated you from God that the book of Isaiah says that God doesn't actually even hear your prayers. The first prayer God hears from everybody is, I repent. Lord, I believe. Until then, he's just providentially listening. He can hear them. But your sin separates you from God. Jesus paid the price for that sin. He said, if you'd like to talk to God and be restored, then receive my grace. That comes by the cross. It's this amazing picture. That is the hope. That's the purpose. Positionally, look at this. The purpose of the cross, the hope of the cross, the purpose of it, positionally, is now I've been made right with God. I was not okay with God, and God was not okay with me. Relationally, the hope of the cross gives me peace with God. I used to be at war with God. I was literally his enemy. Now, I would like to think I wasn't a really bad enemy, but I was an enemy nonetheless. The purpose of the cross and the hope that's in it positionally places me in a right position with God, relationally makes me at peace with God, and practically gives me the righteousness of God for everyday living. Now I actually can have victory over that sin. 
I no longer am a slave to sin. I do not have to sin. I now have victory over sin. That's part of the hope of the cross. Brothers and sisters, family, when we get the hope that we have in the cross, when we get the hope that we have in this life and the next, because we have it in this life and the next life, amen? My hope every day is in Jesus. Probably most of you have planned some kind of trip. You've gone somewhere and and, and worked through some things in your life and you, you map everything out. Is there anybody in here who's ever had a perfect vacation? Because I want you to come plan my next one. I, I, we make all these plans and we do all these wonderful things and we're, you get this expectation, right? It's like, oh, it's going to be great. We're going to go here. And then the car breaks down and the plane is late and the luggage is lost and somebody gets the measles, the mumps, the chicken pox and some kind of dengue fever and everyone is sick. And, and you get there and your room's not ready. And it's just like, that's the way the world is. Amen. All the planning in the world cannot factor out the fact that this world is not your home. But the hope can get you through this world until you get home. Amen. Amen. That's, that's the right kind of hope. You're not going to have it perfect in this life. I'm going to ask you to stand now, if you would, please. And one final thing for us today. The hope of the cross has changed the course of human history. The hope of the cross has changed nations. The hope of the cross has changed cultures. The hope of the cross has changed communities. The hope of the cross has changed families. And most importantly, the hope of the cross has changed me. The the question is, has the hope of the cross reached your heart? Has the hope of the cross changed you? You see, for many of us in this room, we've been touched by the hope of the cross. I know that when I take my last breath here, I know the next thing I'm going to see is Jesus. Amen? Amen? I have that hope. And here's the good news. Nobody can take that from me. No government, no person, nobody, no thing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Nothing. No weapon fashioned against us can prosper. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But the question is, do you have that? Are you walking in that hope today? And I know many of you, probably most of you are. But I believe there are some in this room today who are not. You've never stopped long enough to say, Jesus, save me. Give me hope. I want you to bow your heads with me right now. And if you would, if you're a believer right now, would you please begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would speak the truth of the gospel into the lives of those who are here today who do not yet know the King. They don't have that hope. And I'm going to ask you right now, if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, 
And you're saying to me right now, Pastor Jeff, I don't know Jesus. I don't have that hope. I'm concerned about what's going to happen if I take my last breath. If you're here today and you don't have that hope, but you want that hope, Jesus wants to give you that hope right now. And I'm going to ask you to simply bravely stick your hand in the air. And we are going to pray together a very simple prayer for you to invite Christ into your life. I see that hand. Is there anyone else that wants to join? You you want to become a child of God. I see that hand in the back and this hand in the front, this other hand in the front. Anyone else, do it while you can. I see that hand. Just stick your hand up. We're going to pray a simple prayer together. I see these hands to my right. More in the back to my left. Again, over here to my right. You're making the most important decision you will ever make. Everywhere from here is better. Because we know in whom we have believed and he is able to keep that which he's committed. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you. For all these hands that are raised all over the sanctuary, there's some almost in every section. Would you just join me? Now this is the part you have to do. I can't do it for you. I can give you some words, but they have to come from your heart and they've got to go to God's ears. And he is listening right now. He is so in tune to your voice and he so wants to have a relationship with you that he is aching in his ears to hear the cry of your heart right now. So would you just simply pray these words with me? Let's pray them together. Church, help and pray with us. Dear Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. And I can't save myself. My bank account's empty. I know I've sinned against you, God. And I'm sorry. And I'm turning from my sin right now. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And write my name in your Lamb's book of life. Help me to live a life that's sinless. Help me to flee and resist those temptations that come my way. Lord, thank you for your grace that's being poured into my life right now. Thank you for your righteousness that's been put into my account in great measure. I give you my life. I declare that you are my Lord. And I want to serve you the rest of my days. Thank you for accepting me into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.